Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Creasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning and hello. Once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and it's another week of American tennis. Every Wednesday at noon, and actually a little bit late getting started here today, folks, but we will get the whole show in, and I think I'm going to have a coach or two on, which will make the show even better. And, and uh, thanks for listening in. This is the fifth year now. Gosh, I think June 2nd is when we started in uh, five years ago, 2012. So it's almost five years now, folks, American Tennis, every Wednesday on the Yellow Ball Network, and thank you, J.P. Weber, for the We Coach Tennis website and all that you're doing um, with the, sorry, the We Coach Tennis is the Facebook and his website. You can get everything there, folks. He's got over a 1,000 coaches on there. There's a lot of good stuff every week, but uh, J.P. Weber has taken over the you are Tennis Network, and thank you very much for what you're doing. So I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. Uh, we've got a lot to do today, and we actually have a coach on the line. I'm, I want to get to uh, – I think that's Coach Blumendahl. I want to get to him as quickly as we can because he's so busy. But I want to talk today our, – our program is about Guardians of the Game, Part 2. Um, I've been harping every week that we all are Guardians of the Game, and – uh, I've been trying to be a guardian of the game the last five years. We talk a lot about technical skills. We talk about coaching skills. We talk about how to get your players better. But it is just that time of the year where we have the NCAA tournament and we have the other collegiate tournaments. We've got French Open coming up, Wimbledon coming up, and uh, a lot of the issues are going to be coming front and center. I went down to the NCAA tournament this last week. And uh, went to a couple meetings, and uh, golly, I don't know. I, I'm I'm very very concerned about the direction of collegiate tennis, mainly from the standpoint of um, our leaders and what they're doing. The abbreviated scoring, we've got to do something about it. It's that's all I can say. It's it's really gotten to a place uh, where it's really going to hurt our game. And let me start out by saying I went recruiting over to a national, I guess they call these things national opens. Now there were four of them around the country. The one in Georgia, I got to go over and watch some matches. And, folks, do you believe this? Listen, they were playing one game, or excuse me, one set, no ad scoring for the doubles tournament at a national Boys and girls, 18 and 16. Are you kidding me? This is laughable. It's a mockery to our game. And USTA, folks, what are you guys thinking? You don't do this. This is like people travel across the country when they fly in and they're going to a baseball tournament. Can I imagine my son going to a baseball tournament? We pay all this money to go there, 
And they say, sorry, it's not going to be a seven-inning game. We're only going to play three innings here. And, oh, sorry, you didn't get to bat much. Well, you didn't get to serve but one time. <laughs> it, it was, it's laughable. It, it is just awful. And then to talk about the NCAA, what they've done now with this no-ad scoring is just a completely different issue. And I, I want to bring on the coaches here and talk about it a minute, but I wanted to make this point. The thing that the USDA is doing wrong, and as coaches we do wrong, is if we try to do cookie-cutter coaching. In other words, one one kind of player – um, maybe I believe in serving volley tennis. We're trying to make everybody the same kind of serving volley tennis player. They've got this pathway they talk about all the time now, This the pathway to success. Um, for example, the hot thing now is there's this uh, French coach. I have to get Coach Blumenthal here in a second. He can t- fill us in on this. But this coach has the theory that all points in pro tennis end within – 3.8 seconds or something like that. So it's all about first strike, first exchange tennis. Well, no, it's not. This is really, guys, it sounds, that sounds pretty sexy, and that sounds like, hey, maybe this is really the way it is, and I can show you a few videos uh, where this is all true, but, but, folks, that's not how you make good top tennis players. But people get in their mind what cookie-cutter expectations are in cookie-cutter tennis and uh, you know what the most aggravating thing is, is that we've been playing tennis in this country for 143 years, 143 years. And now our leaders just all of a sudden, I guess, they're, they've just gotten smart. They're taking smart pills, and they think that they can abbreviate the scoring. They've got the pathway. Well, it. it and they, they've got the way, and you know what's worse than that? They're dictating to all of us. They're mandating and dictating whether that's the ROG, the red, orange, green ball, no ad scoring, all of this stuff. Oh, you've got to play this way, the pathway, and, and that just right away, if you are an independent thinker, that should just turn you off to the game. And uh, it's, it's just awful. The main thing I wanted to say is that the commonality, the only commonality of all great players is that they are all individuals. And if you will take the last 10 great champions, Borg, or let's go Connors, McEnroe, Borg, Michael Chang, Lendl, Sampras, Agassi, uh, Courier, let's go uh, Golly, this is on just on the men's side here, Erotic. And now we have Feder and Nadal. Now, folks, if you look at these guys that, that say they're all the same height and uh, you just took their put a cover over their head and had them playing tennis out there, every one of their games would be different, but they're all champ- champions. The only commonality is that champions are all different, and they come from different backgrounds and different ways of doing things. Now, there are commonalities there are commonalities of hard training and, hey, listen, you got to do this much work a day and things like that. But my golly, and, and I'm going to bring the coach out here, but the one thing that is true is if you do not allow a player to have ownership of their own game, they're never going to be motivated. And if I could just tell you the whole background on what's going on in college tennis, they're trying to take even ownership away from the college coaches and the way they do things. They're trying to put us in a cookie jar with a cookie cutter and saying you need to do this, 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 this. And, yeah, there are commonalities, but every coach out there is different as well. And one of the best coaches in the country right now and has been for a long time is Coach Randy Blumendahl. Welcome back to the program, Randy. Coach, thank you, thank you, Coach, for having me on the show again. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, that's right on. And, and uh, I watched on TV. I watched some of the NCAA uh, tennis last night, and I heard comments like, you know, if you want to uh, get the next American champion, have little kids watch uh, this no ad scoring, and how much they'll be inspired by it, and 
on and on and on and and you know just marketing this this uh abbreviated scoring system you know i don't know what to call it anymore they're they're experimenting with uh you know really what a big piece of what makes the game great um so it, it's hard to watch all that because you're right. I mean, and that's what everybody wants to believe. There's one formula, and then everybody goes after that one formula, and what happens is they're all shooting for the middle, and they don't even know it. They've been manipulated into shooting for the middle. So the, these guys that you call individual thinkers, which I think our game is full of, and that's what makes our game great, Um they realize after a while they just can't figure out how to break away from you know this this uh participation type attitude that's you know they think that it's going to grow the game in some way but um yeah as exciting as is it is to get to the finals of a national tournament that no ad scoring really made it where it was hard to watch for me um and and then I realized the advantages that it has for game styles and how it takes away, you know, a big piece of our the emotional growth that you need in the game to become a, a Grand Slam champion or a champion on a very high level. So, um yeah, that was that was hard to watch. That was very hard to watch. But I, I agree with where you're going with that and I you know, if I think if we were allowed coach like that and the bar was high enough to where kids would chase after it and we could build events and they could once again you know feel like they could go out there and make a living even make a living at the game um i think you would see a lot of things change with, with without a doubt and i wanted to throw this in there that at my camps that I've always done in the summer, on day one, when I meet with the kids, I said, I don't want you to ever forget this, that I want you to be your best, not the best. Be your best every day. You don't have to be the best, but give your best. Well, that's a common thing to say, but I said this. I want you to never forget that you are number one in the world at being who you are. Do not ever copy anyone else. I don't do not copy Serena, do not copy Roger Federer. Now listen, folks, I don't mean that you don't look at some of the good qualities they have and some of the good traits that they have and try to emulate them. I, I'm not saying that. But in the end, what you said you made one statement there that the individual personality, the creativity, the uniqueness of every athlete at a championship level is what makes them a champion. And we are going away from this. We uh, the the some of these things. I I just want to I just shake my head when I hear coach the word pathway. We need an expressway. We need a freeway, don't we? Yes. Yes. And and it and the thing is that that even though those expressways or freeways may have things that are common or commonalities about them they're all going to be different and if you build one I mean and you've said this before at best you're going to have one player come out of that pathway and how many great potential champions have you eliminated by telling them this is the only way let alone you know the kids that aren't inspired to chase after it because you know, they didn't join the football team because they wanted to do something individual. So, yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, these are, you know, there there are a lot of commonalities, and most of the older coaches I've been around understand a lot of the subtleties to all of that. But, you know, the the the, the trying to take this information and then can it and and do it in a way where they think that, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get the masses to do this is just killing the sport. And then we, we abbreviate the scoring system and, and then you figure out over time that that just helps certain game styles. 
and it, it could be, and it is a good tool for training, but by no means should you be using it in competition because in competition, what ought to be clear to the players at the end of the competition is, what do I need to do to outwork the guy in front of me so I can chase him down or get to my goal or chase after what I'm going after? Here's where I'm at now. Here's where I need to go. And if you start clouding that up, everybody gets very discouraged and and they settle and they say, hey, you know, I don't even know what, what I'm doing or where I'm at. So, you know, that yeah, you're right on. I mean, I think this is, these are the things that are holding it back. Uh, you know, and I, I think we've talked about this. I think what's important is, you know, we're we're in a country where we can make a change. I think we need to start figuring out what we need to do to make that change where we can allow this great game to rise back up to where it should be and, and start creating champions in America that we've always had as long as this game's been professional and even before that, and and where everybody kind of aspires again to, well, they look at tennis as a sport, as something that, hey, these guys are something special. They got something different than the rest of us have. This is a talent. So, you know, I, those, those are things that, like, I think is, if we're in the game long enough, we're all aspiring for once again, and it's very hard for us to watch these changes because we know it's going to lead us down that path. No one who inherits someone else's stuff cares about it the same, whether it's food, whether it's clothing, whether it's shelter, and someone's car, someone's money. Someone else's, no one is going to care about someone else's stuff as much as that that is yours. Now, if you have to work hard and suffer and train and sweat and bleed for your tennis game and your education and your things, you will guard it like the best, the most precious family heirloom that there ever was, and you care greatly about what happens to it? This is where they're really missing the boat. Our, our, um, our bureau, bureaucratic organizations ahead of us, you know, the USTA. Listen, frankly, the ITA, too. I went to ITA meeting, and, uh, you know, it, it, let, let me tell you what. I, I went there for one purpose, one person, purpose only, to try to make a statement about the no-ad scoring that would get the coaches to think. And could I back off here a second? I, I don't want to take your time, but I need to tell our audience sort of how I approach this. Um, I've been over many times the 10 reasons why no-ad scoring will kill off your child's tennis career. Parents out there listening, you need to stand up. You need to speak out. Don't just take this lying down. Don't let just play, go to a national tournament and let them tell you we're playing a six-game set for doubles. By the way, it's it, no ad. By the way, it might but, last 16 minutes after you've flown in here and paid all kinds of money to play this joke of a, of a, of a <laughs> format. So I'm telling you out there that when they do these abbreviated score, scoring formats, I've given you the ten reasons why. Most of them are wrong. Now, philosophically, as coaches, we're looking at the things, Coach Blumendahl, that, you know, it really does retard the growth and slow down the growth of our the players' developmental training. We know that when fitness is not important anymore, that the kids are not going to work as hard. We know that when you only need seven points, the kids never get – used to constructing long games and understand the importance the importance of playing the long games and I don't want to get too sidetracked here but I was uh, helping with an article really uh, lately that's being done in a actually an Asian tennis magazine but I told the, the writer I said look in point construction the number one thing is would be to win a very long point to win a very long point. Number two would be to lose a very long point. 
Number three is to win a short point. Number four is to win, is to lose a short point. And I explain that, that when you play the very tough long point, and by the way, the very tough long games, you get the necessary body punches in, the necessary uh, mental repetition. You make, you make the other person go deep, very deep into their well. And the other person collapses because they cannot go to their well anymore. It's used up. And you have to go there. Tennis is that kind of sport there where everything that happens in the second hour was usually set up by the first 45 minutes or first hour. And uh, that's just the way the sport is. As coaches, we talk about that. But, Coach, I want to talk to you. And all of you out here, this is the, the biggest point. I realize that coaches are very, very, uh, they're very, uh, I don't want to say martinet in their thinking, but they basically materialistic in their thinking. They want to know what wins and what loses. So my statement was this, Coach, and see if this makes sense. I said because the game point in no-ad scoring, the deuce point, the seventh point, is a eight-point switch or an eight-point reversal, can we have a penalty, a stronger penalty than a one-point penalty for people who cheat on that game, number one? And I'm not – listen, I'm just going there. Folks, I'm not into – calling it by cheaters or something, but I was trying to get the coach's attention. And secondly, can we dump the no let, no let rule on those points? And all the coaches looked at me like, well, eight points, eight points. I said, sure. At 4-4, four, four, that next, if you have a deuce point at 4-4 four, four, and I get it and you don't, I need four more points to win the set. And guess what? You need how many? Twelve. Wow, eight-point reversal. Eight points on one point. But I said, coaches, the first game of the match, if I win it and you don't, it's going to take you eight points to get up that one game that you would have been up had you won that one point. So parents out there, don't let your kids play no ad without a a protest of some type. I mean, this no ad thing, it's an eight-point reversal. So what do you think is happening? The cheating is just unbelievable. Now, what coaches are calling, this is a commonality of the term. This is a terminology that I picked up this weekend. Several coaches said everybody goes fishing. So, Coach Blumendorf, I'm playing you, and you make a call on game point. I go fishing. I go to the referee. I go, hey, that that ball was in. How was that? How was that? Now, for referees, like, not sure or half asleep or something, he might make the wrong call. So you can go fishing as many times as you want, but if if you get overruled after two overrules, it starts counting points and games and things. But just the sportsmanship is deteriorating tremendously because of no ad scoring. We've make it. We've, we're going to make this sport a den of thieves and a, and a den of scary situations where people are fighting each other. Over and sportsmanship's going to dwindle, but it's all because of the scoring system. So I approached it that way, Coach. I just said this eight-point switch is the biggest thing that other coaches don't understand. Could you make a few comments? I was long in my explanation there, but as coaches, do you see we're looking at it one way. We're looking at it like, oh, golly, players don't develop war zone tolerance. They don't in, develop endurance. Players don't aren't strong enough. Players don't learn how to play long matches. Players won't get the rite of passage that comes with winning a 7-5 in the third over a real good – actually, most people just want to win or lose. But once you, once you point out that the game point is worth eight, maybe we'll get some traction. Your thoughts, Coach? Well, I've got, I've got a couple of things I um... – I want to talk about, and I'd love to hear somebody call in and comment on this, but just real quick, and this is, this is what comes to my head. You know, you, 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 you've explained it very well, all the reasons why and what the coaches know and what they don't, but change. And it was just a few years ago. Um, the, the, our coaches organization, the ITA did a survey and in the survey over 70% of the coaches did not want no ad scoring. Um, I think it was a little bit less with the women's coaches than the men's coaches, but it was somewhere around that number. 
as a, the players they surveyed, over 80% did not want that. When I'm at tournaments, I have not talked, and people seek me out, and I'm not even talking about the scoring system. Zero parents like the NOAD scoring. Zero parents like the abbreviated scoring that I'm around, and I'm around a large – I mean, this is the biggest section in the in the country as far as numbers go, uh, participation in tournaments. And, and, and then um, uh, players, 100% of them don't want that scoring system, and they don't want an abbreviated. So going on – what, who's making the change? And I would love for them to call in and explain why this. Because if the kids aren't inspired and the parents aren't inspired, I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not the fans because I'm looking at the pro tournaments and everything else, and it's not like we're filling seats. So why why do they think this is the change that's going to save tennis? And if they're smarter than everybody else, call in and let's talk about it because we, we know the development reasons. We know there's no inspiration. So, yeah, I'd love to put it to rest, but maybe the only way to do that is to just start our own tour up, to have our own pro events or have our own junior events and, and just stop talking about this because it doesn't – we all know, and, and, and nobody's really arguing with you, Coach. I don't think, you know, th- there must be somebody out there, but I don't even know if they're involved in tennis. Are they even tennis coaches or players? I don't know. Well, a lot, a lot of the coach or uh, coaches, I'm ashamed to say, are like little mice. And, and, and I'm not saying everybody, but, you know, the old coaches just won't speak up. They're afraid somehow that, the USTA will put a stigma on you or the ITA won't like you or these bureaucratic organizations are going to come down on you. So the old coaches, what they do, they just say, ah, forget it. I'm going to retire soon anyway. The young coaches just want to fit in. They won't stand out. They won't speak out. They just want to fit in. They don't say anything. The middle-aged coaches a lot of times have the golden handcuffs on. However, when I talk to coaches one-on-one, they almost all are saying, what in the world's going on? Now, I did wake up the fact about the eight-point reversal to many coaches this last week. And uh, I, I have a wonderful handout that I passed out, Coach Blumendahl. But, um, and I've worked on, there were actually 21 reasons, but I put the top 10 reasons why. And I, I've got to get it out there more and more. But, All I'm saying is to you parents, understand something. It's not like the USTA is the all-knowing, the all-wise, the all-smart. What they're doing is they are butchering 143 years of tradition, 143 years. All of a sudden, we're doing something because they can, not because they should. And the dirty little secret is this. The dirty little secret is this, Coach. After five or six years of this, really after two or three years, our college kids will be just saying, well, that's the way it is. High school kids, right now, they're pushing it down into your the tournaments that are for juniors and saying, well, this is the college system. We might get ready for the college system. Well, I don't like it so much, but maybe I need to get ready for the college system. And in five or six years, they'll go into pro tournaments maybe and say, well, I guess they're doing it everywhere. Oh, this is the regular rules of tennis now. And, and, and the reason why, and I'm, going to, I'm not going to go deep. I've learned so much about this. But they want randomness. It is not for saving time. That is a big L-I-E. It is a ruse. It's a wild goose chase. We need to save time. They want random results is what they want. They do not want consistency in the results. In randomness, they whether they think it makes more excitement to have randomness or it keeps people in the game or something, it doesn't make sense. But 
they're they want what why would they want randomness instead of consistency? The only randomness should be look, this kid works really hard, he deserves to win, this kid doesn't, but he's got enough talent to overcome hard work for a while. He's gonna have to learn how to be a hard worker later if he wants to overpass this kid. And look, there should be incentives incentives out there uh for this. So my golly, it's it's really very, very frustrating. It's it's extremely frustrating. You old coaches, you gotta get in the show. Look, we, we the show is on the guardians of the game. We gotta all be guardians of the game. Parents, you gotta well, be guardians well, of the game. You need to stand up, speak out. Go ahead, coach. Jump in there. Well what what, what hits me is you talk about that, I mean if it's truly about randomness um, and I would love for these people to call in. Why don't they step up and talk about it? Um, but if it's if it's really about randomness, um, what do people watch tennis for? I mean, why do they watch it? What what's the reason they want to go out to the matches? What's they want to see greatness? They want to see champions. And you know, you could say, oh, champions defined by winning. But if it's random. It, you're not going to have champions. You're not going to have these consistent these guys that win a lot. So that's the very thing that people are following tennis. I, I, it seems like you'd alienate your fans. And then what champion? Take away tennis, any sport. Michael jo- is Michael Jordan going to work as hard as he can? And, and at the end of the day, it's like it's going to be completely random whether we win the the NBA championship or not. I don't think so. I'm going to chase after it if it's all random. I think these guys that become champions have figured out a formula to get better than everybody around them, and then they work like mad to get in front of them. And and it's exactly – but if the randomness is in there, that's going to discourage everything that they're doing. So will we see greatness again if randomness is part of the thing? Probably not. Probably not. It's going to be a sport like uh, arena football. I mean, I, is there any That's greatness random. coming out of arena football? I, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. That's pretty random. Let's roll the dice. I mean, I don't know. Maybe people think that randomness, I mean, you could need to go to Las Vegas for randomness. Wow, maybe I left left the cat out of the bag. I'm wondering what that has to do with anything, especially when talking about tennis. I, you know, it, it, look, look, it, there, this is a bigger movement than just. It's not like college. Wow, we discovered this, and that, it's not like our leaders. Wow, uh, I'm going to get some of these guys on the phone. I, I know who some of them are, but I'm going to get them on the phone and try to get them to defend their point. But I know it has to be someone behind them pushing this because if it were not, there was no way they would be passionate enough to, uh, to be doing this. I mean, we've got to push back on this. These people are not – they're destroying the game. It, it is completely – Well, for, for 25 years now, a little over that, you know, the, the media around baseball has been talking about shortening up games. They haven't done it. They haven't done that. And, you know, why do the best of anything want to play longer? Because the longer the game, the the, the better chance that the better player is going to prevail. So in, in your Grand Slam champions know that. Um, but in, in baseball, they didn't do it. They didn't. They didn't mess the game up. They didn't. They didn't put randomness in there because they would have. They would have lost all their fan base. But for 25 years, they've been saying, "Hey, they're going to lose their fan base because the game's too slow and it takes too long." Well, they haven't. They haven't. But we're making the same mistake. So I. I that part I don't understand. Um, we have problems. We have issues. Um, but I don't think it has anything to do with the scoring system. Okay, let me let me go here and into the naysayers to what we're saying. Uh, is there ever a time where you might use abbreviated scoring, coach? Coach, as a parent, as a player, is there ever a time? When I'd use abbreviated, I use it in training. It's times in training I use it for different situations to put players in different situations. 
would I ever use it in um would I ever use it in uh, competition? No, I would not. Um, you know, and Noah Noah had the same, you know, it teaches players to get ahead, it teaches the value of each point within before you get to deuce and adds. So there's there's certain things that you can learn from that. But in a competition it it does the opposite of inspire somebody. It takes it, it just kind of fogs up what really you need to do to get to the next level. It takes it takes away the clarity of what you should walk away with after a defeat. Hey one one interesting thing is they call the game point now, they call it game point instead of sudden death point. Isn't that yep. interesting? Sudden death. I think somebody made a a very very calculated change there. They didn't want the death part of it. But I was thinking sudden death is a better word because of what it is. It basically strangles the two players. Uh, it strangles the two players into choking their brains out, into surviving death, then escaping death, then then both of them really die, and they're more relieved. Then uh, they don't learn how to win and carry the lead, and they don't learn how well, basically learning to carry the lead is one of the toughest skills. But let's talk about abbreviations real quick. I've got here top 10 competitive formats for maximum growth. And the format, the best and most fair, most true for and the most learning, most fair is what we'll use. We'll see at French Open, three out of five full sets, regular scoring. The second best is two out of three sets. Now, those are the only scoring systems, folks, that should be used in junior tennis. This other stuff is rubbish. Your child is not going to gain a lot of confidence by winning a one-game no-ad set over anybody. People just say you get two net cords or something. It's it's uh, it really it's a random win when they win. So they're not going to have a rite of passage to go forward. And guess what? When your child loses, it's not going to hurt enough an abbreviated scoring is not going to hurt enough to want to make them get better. All right, so number three, I've got an abbreviated third set would be uh, set one and two or full sets. Set three, you start at two, two, three, three, or four, four. Would you agree on that for the best abbreviation, Coach? Yeah, that'd be the best one. About best. Okay, the next, number four, maybe use the icebreaker system. All right, now set one. You would play a 10-point tiebreaker for set one. Set two and set three are complete sets. Now, you understand we reversed playing the tiebreaker in the third set and just play it the first set. We call it, instead of tiebreaker, we call it the icebreaker. Uh, would you agree that would be pretty good? I actually tried that last year during camp, and it works much better than putting putting a 10-point breaker at the end of the the match, the, the the flow of the match was much more natural. Um, and we can get into the reasons why, but yes, it's a, it's a better system. Now, is it better than what I have down for five, abbreviated first and second set? Like, instead of just abbreviating the first set, you abbreviate, start a 2-2 in both of the first set and set two, and then a full set for the third. Yeah, I think so because the problem problem I have with that be best. they're doing yep. this just abbreviating the set two four game sets. That's now we're the, folks we're talking about the fifth. All right, six two out of three sets starting all the sets of two two. That they're doing that with like ten and under ten or something, right? Yes. Uh, so now these are some well, pretty bad no, stuff they, here. Oh, they're doing that. Go with ahead. Ten, yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Ten and under. Okay. Number seven would be a uh, 10-point tiebreaker for the third set. Now, listen, this is what they're making your kids out there play. This is a bad, bad format. Parents, this is a bad, bad, did I say bad? Bad format because your child never learns how to finish. Okay, the one thing, let's, let's go to nuts and bolts here. Wrong. Thirty percent of the time, the the lesser player wins on this. Uh, very often, the lesser player will win the first set, and then they start losing. Very often, they even tank the second set to try to win a tiebreaker for the third. 
against good players, hear me now, it takes 45 minutes to an hour to really do enough body punching and a construction of points to set up the third set. So 10-point tiebreakers next. I don't even need you to comment on these. Number eight would be no ad scoring, two out of three. Number eight is what we're using for college tennis, Coach. For college tennis, number eight. Unbelievable. And then uh, number nine is no ad scoring. What they use for ITS double terrible. Because they use number eight in USTA, too. Number eight, it it never rewards a player for winning the first set. What an awful thing that is for a scoring. So the the pressure, the pressure that the scoring pressure that you would get by winning the first set doesn't exist when you have a third set ten point tiebreaker. So it it doesn't teach the kids to prepare properly. It's that's just really it is really really awful. and then the eight-game pro sets and things. What about – I don't, didn't even see a six-game set here with no ad scoring. That's probably number 38. USTA, you picked number 38 for one of your national gold ball events. What are you guys thinking? I mean, come on, guys. Call me. Let's talk about it. Call in, 714-583-6853. Call in, 714 583 Six, eight, five, three, and people will say, "Well, look, three out of five full sets of regulation scoring." Do you know that until the mid '80s or the early '80s, NCAA tennis, the national champion had to win three out of five sets. When McEnroe beat John Sadry in '77, three out of five sets. When Kevin Kern beat uh, Eric Skursky, I think it was '79, '80, '81 in there. Three out of five sets. Do you know Kalamazoo? Three out of five sets. I think they still do that because why? They want the real national championship to please champion to please stand up. All right, coach. I want. I got a, you know five or seven minutes here. I need you to talk straight up here for a few minutes. Um, I, I I don't know how many people might have listened to the program when you were on the last time. But talk a little bit about making our team, our, our our sport look like a sport again instead of looking like an after-school activity. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's something that is I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, I think tennis a lot of times gets looked at as, you know, hey, you know, could I play the French horn after school? No, yeah, I play tennis for a half hour. Um, and when we start, when that starts bleeding into our performance model, boy, that gets that gets pretty tricky. And then all of a sudden, it, I mean, the bar has been so low that it's hard to produce kids. I mean, they just don't have the mindset that they need to get to the top, top level. Um so, you know, a lot of it is just work. I mean, you, you have in sport, it's it's got to be very clear to you that if I work hard, then I will get better and I can catch up with a lot of my competition. And then once you've eliminated so much of your competition through hard work, there's other little things that you learn about in the sport and you, you learn how to get better and better, but those things are there's commonalities to them, but there's something that is very individual within you, um, the mental and emotional side of sport. Um, but if you eliminate the hard work part, it's it's not really a sport. I mean, I I, I don't. I mean, I've, I've listened to these arguments about quality over quantity, and it just blows me away. I'm like, well, which part of they worked hard for eight months and they they got a lot better their results are much different now which which reps would you pull out of there which ones are you know they're not quality so you're not going to do them uh no no but that was number one the people saying that don't have any idea and the people not saying it understand that it builds you have to build up to that point um, you have to build up to get the level up 
to where you can train high enough where you can you can change things in competition. So, yeah, the, I mean, being a sport is is something that you know. As I grew up and played almost everything, uh, and I saw tennis as a, a opportunity to do something individual that I thought would be great, and I saw things on TV that I was very inspired by. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something near near to my heart. And, and when I see this taken away in the name of, you know, how do we get more people involved? Can we, can we talk about making it easier? Can we lower the bar? Can we hand out trophies at a tournament? I mean, these are things that I just, I mean, it, it has nothing to do with, with sport. And, and, and really the, the opportunity for kids to fall in love with this. It's not for everybody, nor should it be, but the, those that do fall in love with it ought to be something very special. Coach, um, I've got here, you talked many times, and we got a few minutes here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. I'd like for you to have the last word. Uh, but I've talked about, you talk very much, you've always said, Coach, that doesn't inspire anyone. That doesn't motivate. You've used the word inspire. I've got five adjectives that describe uh, to be inspired. Number one, I have ownership, personal ownership. Uh, and you, It has to be yours. In other words, that it's not going to be cookie cutter. Number two, yeah. derived from hard work and suffering. And once you work hard for something, you protect it a lot more. A value on the achievement, okay, that means that other people don't get the same achievement in the same way. For example, Coach, and I'm throwing this out there, and I hope the ITA hears this, but I was in, inducted into the ITA Tennis Hall of Fame uh, about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago or something, I don't know. And I was very proud. I dreamed always of being in the National College Tennis Hall of Fame. But, Coach, recently they're putting administrators in, and they're just, you know how they do, they just try to start putting a lot of other people in that was the friend of a friend of a friend and things like that. And I'm going, what? Are you kidding me? My friend J.P. Weber, I'm go- I told him I'm going to nominate him. He is a fantastic man, a fantastic coach. I said, you're the number one assistant coach in America. He's been assistant coach at six places, and he's given his life to tennis. Now, he said, and he was laughing at me. He said, don't you? I said, no, JP, I'm going to, you're the top assistant coach I know of all time, but they're letting everybody, all these administrators in. But what happens when you give participation trophies? For example, they gave out gold balls three years ago to the National 18 team tournament. So you had literally some people that didn't win a match getting gold balls. And the gold ball used to be the most cherished thing. So ownership, hard work, and suffering, the value of your achievement, participation trophies don't work, folks. Dump them. It must be long-lasting growth to be inspired, long-lasting, something you know that lasts for a lifetime. In character, that means the character development and the uh, work ethic, and that last, it must be something others uh, are have aspiration to do and others want to do. Now, Coach, are we doing – think about that. We're doing all of these wrong. We're doing all these wrong. I mean, we're not given ownership. we got the pathway. Hard work, no, let's just play tiebreakers. Value of achievement, no, let's give out participation to make everybody feel good. Long-lasting growth, no, it doesn't last. People easily give it away because it wasn't hard achieved. Do others want to play our sport? No, they're going to pickleball and things like that. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm right. I'm going to give you the last word, Coach. We've got about three minutes, three, four minutes here. I think that's right on. I don't think you can explain it any better than what you just said. Um, that that's, that's right, and I think if we would look at it that way, we would it, it would make a huge difference. I think the only way change is we've got to put it in our own hands. We've got to either start our own tour up in the United States and and make it where kids can can make a living playing tennis again, 
So they give everything they've got, the carrots out in front of them, they start chasing again, and then hard work will matter again, and then juniors will follow. Or, you know, you know, or we wait until somebody, the light bulb goes off with the USTA, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think history is showing that that's going to happen. So if, if, if we want, because we all know that the sport is great left on its own. So if, if we know this and, and there's people around that are inspired by just the sport itself, all, we need to create an atmosphere. We need to create a, a way for these players to really become champions. And, and really chase after it. And I and I know they win tournaments, and we, we say they're champions when they win tournaments, but we have so much talent in this country, Coach, so much. I've been all around the world. We've got to quit quit putting shields up around them and telling them, hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and allow these kids to be great again. Thank Coach, you for having me I, uh, I could not... Thank you enough for your wisdom and, uh, and and what you're saying there today. And and to uh, parents out there, I got about 20 seconds here. Look, parents, your job is to stand up, speak out for your children. If they're making you play this abbreviation, dang it, you know they look. If squeaky wheel gets the oil, if it squeaks too loud, it gets removed. You don't have to get furiously furiously mad. But let people know, let those leaders know, we don't want to play this abbreviated. We don't want to shoot an 8-foot basket. We want to play a 10-foot basket. We don't want to play half sports. We want to play the full sport. We want our children to grow. We don't want a half education. We don't want a participation trophy. We want the real deal. Coach Blumendahl, thanks very much for being on today. And this is America. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.